to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. The locating scripture for this series, for spirit-led series, we are spirit-led people, aren't we? Is Acts 1, 4 to 8. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered, gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Verse 7, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Please welcome Pastor Matt. Thanks, Pastor Ben. Good morning, church. Welcome to Pentecost Sunday. Exciting day as we celebrate the Holy Spirit being poured out upon us as followers of Jesus. And the day of Pentecost is recorded in Acts 2. We see the disciples, as we've shared already, the disciples are together in one place, waiting for the Holy Spirit to descend. The Holy Spirit comes, the people are filled, and a large crowd gathers. And then the Apostle Peter, he stands up filled with the Spirit, and he preaches boldly. And we see recorded that 3,000 people are saved and added to the church. 3,000 people. It's amazing. You know, Peter, who previously used his words to deny Jesus, now forgiven by Jesus, filled by the Spirit, preaching and seeing so many people saved. You know, it wasn't because of, of Peter's great preaching and theology, but because of the, the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moved through Peter's words to transform the hearts of people. And this is the power of Spirit-led words. And so be encouraged. If the Holy Spirit can empower Peter, who denied Jesus in the flesh, the Holy Spirit can empower you and I to have Spirit-led words in our lives. And so 2 Corinthians 3.6, he says, He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Our Spirit-led words gives life to others. We are ministers of the Spirit, of God, bringing His presence into people's lives, His atmosphere, His presence into others' lives. And, you know, we want to be people whose Spirit-led words minister to our spouses, our children, our families, our friends, our neighbours, our co-workers, you know, your words matter. The words you speak over your children, the words you speak over your spouse, over, you know, your co-workers, there is power in our words. And Proverbs eighteen twenty one, we know this, is, is death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Our spirit-led words are like fruit for others to taste and to be satisfied, nourished by Galatians 5, 22 to 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Others, they taste the Spirit on us. For example, the the love of God, Pastor Jay shared this, the love of God grows in us. You know, our heart, we want to hate those that hurt us. But the Holy Spirit enables us to extend grace, to extend forgiveness, to extend love. You know, when we are facing challenging, confusing, why God is this happening? Circumstances, our heart will want to be down, angry, hopeless. But the Holy Spirit enables us to have the fruit of faithfulness in God. The Holy Spirit grows the fruit of patience in us through tough times. The Holy Spirit forges joy in us despite what we are facing. The Holy Spirit develops peace in us amongst the storms. The Holy Spirit enables us to not make rash decisions in difficult times, but to have self-control. The Holy Spirit enables us to speak spirit-led words over ourselves and over others. You know, you can you can taste people with a negative kind of spirit. Has, have you know, you know anyone been around those people that are always whining, always got something? You know, we, we've all been there before. Let's let's admit it. You know. Their words are always complaining about something else or just everything is wrong. And you can feel, you can sense it, you know, like instead of having a joyful spirit, they're like, you know, producing something like moldy fruit and they're just throwing it out on anyone. Like moldy fruit that's been at the bottom of some teenager's bag for the last six months, you know, and they're just pulling that out and they're chucking it at you. And so we don't want to be those people. That's uh, that's my point. (laughs) As followers of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, our words are meant to give life to others. You know, that our words would be magnetic, that they would be compelling, that they would be irresistible. Jesus says in in Matthew 5.13, You are the salt of the earth. You are. It's our identity as followers of Jesus. We are the salt of the earth, adding flavor and bringing out the best in the world. And you may feel like your words are small and insignificant, like a grain of salt, but far out. Salt may look small and insignificant, but it can make a huge impact. Like, have you ever had uh, chips, hot chips without salt? It's terrible, guys. Come on. It's terrible, but, you know, salt with chips is so much better, especially when it's it's peri-peri salt. Is anyone with me? Nan, there's my favorite hot chips. And so we are peri-peri salt, guys. Um, so Colossians 4.6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to, you ought to answer each person. You know, I realized with my words that I was so good at articulating kind of negative feedback towards others. Is anyone with me like that? But my, my positive feedback was just bland. It was, it was just like, oh, great job. You did really good. Like, um, good on you, champ. Like, just real simple, generic things. And the Holy Spirit convicted me on this. And so I humbled myself, which was a process in itself, and allowed Holy Spirit to help me and my words. And I found that as I did that, I found that I could better describe and articulate positive feedback for others. And it was because the Holy Spirit transformed my heart. The Holy Spirit empowered me to see the best in other people. And in Matthew twelve thirty four, it says um, at the end, it says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, you know, I realized that 
it wasn't just me saying some nice things to others, but it was actually the Holy Spirit ministering through me to, you know, to speak and to, to say, Holy Spirit, fan into the flame the gifts He's placed in others. It was Holy Spirit ministering through me to lift others up, to believe in others, to show others that they have significant value. And so, um, yeah, Proverbs 16:24 says, Gracious words are like honeycomb. Yummy. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. The world tastes our spirit-led words and tastes and sees that the Lord is good. And for me, I'm not perfect at speaking spirit-led words. However, I've, I've really kind of gone to understand a bit deeper what it means to, to slow down and to give space for Holy Spirit to, to grow this fruit in me and help me to speak spirit-led words. And I found that to speak spirit-led words, it actually comes from a place of, first of all, of not speaking at all. And practically, over the past few months, I've been practicing kind of two ways to slow down and allow Holy Spirit to lead my words. And so the first one is to reflect on the day. Reflect on the day. The end of most days when I'm laying in bed, I'll just, you know, quickly reflect on my day that has been in the words I've spoken over myself and over others in my life, over my wife, over people I lead. And I firstly ask, you know, God, where do I need forgiveness for some words that I've spoken today? And um, they come real quickly and I, I realize, you know, yeah, I receive forgiveness for, you know, speaking too harsh or something like that. And then I think about where's the missed opportunities throughout my day where, I've, you know, I could have been more bold in encouraging someone or taking the time to really just have a conversation with someone and, um, yeah, encourage someone. And so I ask Holy Spirit to help me and enable me to grow in this. And I feel like as I've done this, I've been, yeah, been able to speak Spirit-led words so much better. And so second thing is uh, give space throughout the day. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. The Holy Spirit is with us every moment of every day. And, you know, we can live busy, fast-paced lives, doing things out of the best of our own abilities and easily forgetting that God is always an ever-present help. And I've personally found it so beneficial to slow down throughout my days and moments of silence to, to give space for Holy Spirit to fill me to lead me, to empower me with my words. And so, for example, like on my drive to, to work, just allowing Holy Spirit to, to fill me and empower me so that I can speak words that are gracious and life-giving to those that I lead. Throughout the day, when I know I have a, a hard conversation or, you know, Susan and I are about to sit down and have a proper marriage talk or something like that, you know, I, take, I take a breath and receive from Holy Spirit that I wouldn't speak out of a heart filled with frustration or bitterness, but out of a heart of love and truth. Um, before I... I I get out of the car to walk into our home, um, you know, to see my wife Susan, little girl Myla, I, I receive from the Holy Spirit so that my words are not out of a place of being tired from work or stressed, but I can walk into their home and speak words of kindness, of joy and patience, that that would be the sound in our home. And so for you, what's a practical next step that you can take to slow down and give space for Holy Spirit to lead your words? What can you do? Maybe it's carving out a space on a Sunday evening, coming along to 5 p.m. Renew Prayer. I've been doing this and it's really helped me to slow down and give space for Holy Spirit to, to lead us, to lead you before you head into another full week. Um, 
be encouraged. Speaking spirit-led words is a process. It takes time. Again, we, we live in such a fast-paced culture that wants everything now. But we need to learn to be like Jesus, who, who was never in a rush. The fruit of the Spirit, it takes time to grow in us. And so we cannot give what we have not first received. And so right now, we're going to take a few minutes to slow down, to reflect, to allow Holy Spirit to fill us, to lead us and empower us with our words. And so some questions are going to pop up on the screen. Let's wait on Holy Spirit right now.
Thank you so much, Matt. It was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, come on. It is my joy and absolute privilege to share with you today about spirit-led worship. A little bit. It's a very vast subject. A little bit. I want to start with a story. It's 1984. There's a lot of hair crimping and roller skates in my life. And in a house not too far from here, actually, in Padbury, before it was cool, it was not cool when I lived there, there was a little girl with a desperately broken heart. Spoiler, it was me. So my parents' marriage had broken up in a pretty terrible way. And my life and my heart had become very fractured and I was really, really broken. Thankfully, my mum met Jesus and our world was transformed. She had us at every single church service imaginable because that's what you did in the 80s. It was like a million services a week and we were at every one of them. And I'm so thankful because I met Jesus And often what I would do is, well, somehow I came into possession of an Amy Grant album, and it was called Age to Age. And I had this little tape, and I'd get my tape deck, and I'd go into the lounge room and squirrel away into a little private corner away from my pesky siblings, and I'd put in this tape, you know, pop, you know, you like pop it in, push it, fast forward till track 10, because that was my favourite song. And it was called Arms of Love. And I would listen to this song again and again and again. And the words said in the chorus, I have found a place where I can hide. It's safe inside your arms of love. Like a child who's held throughout a storm, you keep me warm in your arms of love. And in those times as this little girl, as I was invited to worship by the Spirit of God, The rescue mission of my life began. The rescue that God started to do in my heart through worship, through surrender, began as a tiny little girl. And the reason I really want to hone in on that today is because I came in that moment with nothing to offer. I was empty-handed. I was broken. I was useless to God. I had no function to do something extraordinary. I was just a little mess, a little mess of a girl that desperately, desperately needed Jesus because of the seeds of rejection and fear that had been deposited from some of the events in my life. And my Lord showed up. And in life, when we worship, we are in the world, we are getting bruised, we are getting broken. Hello. As Christians, we are not immune to suffering. In fact, we will suffer. But when we come before our God, surrendered, which is what worship is, when we come before him, he has that opportunity to kind of realign our fractures. You know, it's like the great physician, he just resets it. So yeah, you you get your breaks, but then we can grow forward with strength and aligned according to his will. And I'm so thankful for that. I had no idea as a little girl, I was basically agreeing with the the Apostle Paul's words in Romans 8, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. 
The spirit I received, you received, doesn't make you slaves. I, was not, I didn't need to be a slave to rejection, to fear, to brokenness, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit I received as that little tiny girl brought about my adoption. That's what I needed. I needed to belong to a father. And by him, I cried, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself testified with my spirit that I am a child of God. That's what happened as, as I worshipped him as a little tiny girl. So I just want to share with you two of the many men. Oh, wow. Did you hear that? It was a tooth, tooth knock. Um, <laughs> I was getting a bit excited. Um, I just want to share with you two of the many um, tender, loving reasons God invites us to worship because I think we can get a bit confused about God's intention because he actually has no need for our affirmation whatsoever. He's very secure, but we need to worship the Lord. So there are two reasons today that I want to mention. The first one is worship is protective. Now, in my work um, as a chaplain and a teacher, one thing I observe a lot is the impact of what we call protective factors. So protective factors are like attributes um, that a person or individual may have that help them adjust through difficult, stressful times. So an example of a protective factor would be a child with loving, competent parents, That is a protective factor in their life. So when stuff happens, it's almost like a counter against the tough times. They still have tough times, but it's a protective factor. And alternatively, you see where that is missing. And it's not through any fault of their own, but you can see where there's protective factors that are absent in people's lives. They're more vulnerable when times go, when times are hard. Worship is a protective factor in our lives. It is. It protects our hearts. Without worship and that surrender, like when I say worship, I'm talking about getting before the Lord and yielding, surrendering, whatever means that is. But when we do that, we, (laughs) sorry. So when we do that, the bottom line is we are not anymore under the tyranny of our pain. We're not enslaved by the ugliness of the world when we look at Jesus and his beauty. We need to do that. We must do it. It protects our hearts. Without dedicated, intentional times of spirit-led worship, we will become overwhelmed with the ugliness of the world. We need to worship him. I love this quote by William Temple, who's the Archbishop of Canterbury, um, way back. Worship is the submission of all our nature to God. It is the quickening of conscience by his holiness, the nourishment of mind, the purifying of imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love, the surrender of will to his purpose. All of this gathered up in adoration. When we worship, we are protected. We see good. We see beauty. It is a gift. The second point I want to make is that worship is transformational. Imagine yourself as a slab of marble, being transformed into a sculpture at the hands of an artist. 
So a sculpture will use various tools and techniques and essentially they are removing unneeded parts of the stone so that the vision the artist has can emerge out of it. That is what a sculpture is. Well, it's a sobering thought, guys, but we're all worshipping. Like Pastor Joel said last week, we are a temple. Make no mistake, you're a temple. Everyone in the world is a temple of worship. It's just what or who you're worshipping. It's who you are surrendering to, but you are being formed. There's no neutral. Every single one of us are being formed into something right now. It's just about what we choose to yield to and who is the artist of our life. In, in worship, God becomes the artist of our life. Because you see, the enemy had a vision for my life. He wanted to form me into something. And the enemy does have a vision for your life too. For years, the enemy relentlessly picked up a mallet of rejection and he still has a good go at it, I'll tell you what. Or a chisel of, of failure and insecurity, maybe just a little sandpaper, a bit more subtle. But he's trying to craft in me for many years an identity of fear, an identity of rejection, an identity of pain. But when I worship the Lord, when I come before my Saviour God, when I surrender to Yahweh, to Jesus Christ, the enemy has to flee. There's just no way he can be present in worship. He must go. And the Lord Jesus Christ becomes the person that is forming me. I'm so thankful. All in my act of surrender. I come empty-handed every single time. And God does all the crafting and all the work. Romans 12.2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, his love for you, offer your bodies, your whole selves, every part of you as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true act of worship. Don't conform. Let God form you. Friends, as we finish, I just want to say that though it might not always be evident and maybe you don't always feel like, oh, I'm being transformed. There's this radical situation going on with me. When you herald Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, when you lift up the name of Jesus, when you magnify the Lord, his will is being accomplished in your life 100% of the time. That's the word of God. So be encouraged. Let him transform you in worship. Receive his protection. You are loved And his invitation for our yielded hearts is so he can bless us. Let's reflect together.
Pastor Claire. How beautiful. (sighs) Getting up after that's a bit of a trick. Let's just thank Claire for being so beautifully vulnerable and bringing this power and poignancy and just, yeah, something new to that worship space. Thank you so much. I was thinking about how, uh, while Pastor Claire was listening to Amy Grant, uh, I was thinking, I'm getting up to talk about Walk, and I like that song, Walk Like an Egyptian. (laughs) I loved it growing up. So I won't be doing that for you this morning. But what does walking like a spirit-led person, a follower of Jesus, look like instead? We'll, We'll focus on that. And last week, Pastor Karen said that that's both supernatural and not weird at the same time. And, you know, I think that's something we really need to get comfortable with is that we walk as followers of Jesus in that tension of, yeah, kind of weird supernatural stuff, but it's every day and it's normal and that's that's how we should be walking. We are followers of Jesus. We walk in his footsteps. And over the years, what does that look like for me and for Derek? I've got a few examples. Firstly, it looked like giving our hearts to Jesus. Holy Spirit led us to that place. That's not something we do on our own. So every one of us here that's already done that, we've already started that journey of walking because we've said yes to Jesus. It's looked like moments on the altar where we've really truly surrendered and allowed Holy Spirit to heal and renew our our past and our present. I remember in my 20s a moment of really praying and I was a bit confused and, and, you know, like Claire, I had parents who'd been divorced and I didn't want that, but I didn't really trust that I could have a life that didn't hold that. And Holy Spirit said, do you trust me to lead? And so that was like quite powerful. It changed my life. And, you know, I got a good guy. So it was worth, it was worth letting him lead, right? Yes. It's been wise words spoken through others that have resonated in our hearts that have helped us make big life decisions. It was a nudge compelling us to take one of our children to hospital because we just knew there was something more going on than what we could see and doctors then telling us that act had saved that child's life. It has been leading to give more than we are comfortable giving a couple of times. but also realising God had our back in that as well. And then it's been leading to buy specific cars and a totally miraculous house purchase because we asked Holy Spirit to lead and then we stepped into and enacted the things we felt God had said to us in that moment. It's been sitting with a friend over coffee and hearing news that's not been great and in my mind literally just whispering, Spirit of God... And then knowing that the words that came out next were his comfort, his wisdom, and not my own. Knowing that he's with me. It's been sensing at Karen Up last Christmas, full of the Karen Up Christmas shopping traffic, to turn down the second aisle and wait for a car parking bay like a fool because there wasn't one. And then the next people who came out were right there. Thank you, Jesus. And I used to scoff at people who prayed for car parks. But, you know, it's not such a silly thing to do. It does work. Yeah. Anyone else? A a prayer of car parks? There's a few. Here we are. We've got a club now. Awesome. It's been standing at the washing line amidst COVID and realising how anxious I was feeling. And then stepping back and realising I don't have to receive this anxiety and rebuking it in the name of Jesus, telling the anxiety to go and by his spirit sensing it lift. It's been the nudge to get out of bed on these cold winter mornings and go and meet with Jesus when I don't want to. 
It's been moments of frustration with one child where I stamped my feet and put my hands on the kitchen bench and said, I don't know what to do with them. And having another child look up at me and go, but God does, mum. And realising I hadn't prayed. Ouch, I know. And I hadn't asked Holy Spirit to help me. That was a burn. (laughs) It's been moments of conviction after I've spoken something I shouldn't. And it's been moments of holding my tongue and speaking more kindly than I have felt to. So what an amazing and humbling experience walking by Holy Spirit really is. And I just want to say, walking led by the Spirit is not just a daily thing. It is a moment-by-moment thing. God doesn't want us to leave Him behind. Psalm 139 in the NLT verses 2 to 4 says, You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. And verse 17 and 18, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. God made us. He knows us. He knows what we're going to say. He knows what we are thinking. He sees us and he has more thoughts towards us than grains of sand on the earth. It's kind of mind-blowing. I don't believe these verses are in the Bible so that we get a picture of a stern God looking down on us, watching us every moment, trying to catch us out. I get the impression he's saying, I'm with you always, every minute. Please invite me into your day. I already know what's going on anyway. Verse 18 says God has more thoughts towards us than grains of sand. And when we allow ourselves to be led by Holy Spirit, we get to know and discern and hear and sense what those thoughts are. And we get to live life more fully because of that. Many of us are familiar with the story of Esther from the Old Testament. Esther is a young Jewish girl. She's being raised by her cousin Mordecai because her parents are dead. And Esther lives in Susa under the reign of King Xerxes, who throws a massive but lavish banquet for days on end, gets very, very drunk, offends his queen. She disobeys him. He banishes her because he's having a tantrum. When he calms down... He goes, dang, I'd like a new queen. So all the maidens of the land are then scooped up and presented to him, including Esther. She wins his favour, becomes queen, and ultimately uses her favoured position to save God's people. There you go. There is Esther for you in a nutshell. Mordecai in this story reminds me of so many of the characteristics of Holy Spirit. Amidst all of the upheaval, the danger and difficulty in Esther's life, we read that her cousin Mordecai is with her all the time. He watches over her, he guides her and he's faithful to her. And Holy Spirit is the same for us. It's through the Spirit of God that we know that we belong to God. And as we read here in Esther 2, Mordecai brought up Esther because she had neither father nor mother. And Esther 2.15 describes Esther as having been adopted by Mordecai. And it's by the Spirit of God that we are adopted into sonship and daughtership. And we need to know that. Now, as Claire's just shared, we need that to stand against the world will try and reject us in a thousand different ways. And the enemy will attach to that. We need to know that we are sons and daughters. 
Holy Spirit is full of God's wisdom and revelation, and it's through His Spirit that He guides and protects us. And we read in Esther 2.10 that Esther did not reveal her nationality or her family because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so, because this was protective wisdom. Mordecai is trying to protect her, and it's by the anointing of Holy Spirit that we are blessed and favoured, and we read throughout the book of Esther that she is blessed and favoured. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he promised he would be with us always and that that would be by his spirit. And in Esther 2.11, it says that every day Mordecai walked back and forth near the courtyard of the harem to find out how Esther was and what was happening with her. And Holy Spirit wants to do that in our lives too. Just as God has a purpose for us, Mordecai points out Esther's purpose to her in Esther 4 when he asks her to use her position as queen to save the Jews. Esther doesn't want to. She's a little bit scared. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sounds very human. But Mordecai doesn't go there, there, never mind, you don't need to. He challenges her and then he puts courage in her through what is one of the most often quoted scriptures out of Esther. Esther 4.14, where Mordecai says, And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. So walking out our daily lives by Holy Spirit is God in our lives every minute, all the time. And it gives us access to wisdom, guidance, instruction, protection, favour, encouragement, empowerment and a knowledge of our purpose. Who doesn't want all of that? That's a package deal I want. So how do we do this? What does this walk look like? Well, I believe it's three main things. Firstly, it's faith over our feelings. Esther was frightened. She didn't want to go before the king and she, she could have got killed. It was a dangerous proposition. We probably don't face that level of difficulty, but our lives can also be difficult. But we get to move past that. We can choose faith over how we're feeling. We can choose faith over feeling depressed, over feeling anxious. We can stand and declare in Jesus' name that we are going to have a different feeling. And when we see that, when we allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit, our feelings do shift. And we see that faith rises in our world and miraculous things can happen and we become more beautiful witnesses of our Jesus. I want to be that. I want people to say, I want that Jesus that she's got, not think, wow, she's a whingy person. (laughs) All right, point two, listening through distractions. Esther had a tough life. Her parents had died when she was young. She's taken into a king's harem without her say. And she's a Jew living in a land that's not very accepting of the Jews. So she could have identified in the victim bucket big time. She had a very distracted life. She was not uh, necessarily feeling favoured when she was taken into the harem. I think she probably was feeling frightened and uh, displaced and worried and concerned. Many things come to distract us. And if it's not those things, it can be our comforts because we love our comforts. But Holy Spirit comes and challenges us, nudges us, convicts us and helps us to see over and through our circumstances to God's purpose ahead. And finally, it's trust overall. Overall, Esther knew Mordecai's voice and she trusted and obeyed it and great things happened. And we get to learn how to trust the voice of Holy Spirit. A spirit-led walk is learning to trust. But it's trust on the go. It's on-the-job training. It's as we step into the things that Holy Spirit 
guides us in, that we get to stand on and see, taste and see that God is good, that He is faithful and that His plans are more excellent than what we'd put in place for ourselves. So church, I really sense that God is, is shaking us a little today, just giving us a little shake. Can we shake off this sense of not being a people who are spirit-led and settle in a place of, yes, Lord, I want to be led by your spirit. I want to trust you more. Shake off the world and step into who we are in Christ. And I so sense that God is asking us to ask him, what is my time such as this right now? What is my spirit-led purpose today? And so we're just going to take some time right now to consider. Maybe it's jumping to a new prayer and learning how to be in God's presence. Maybe it's a new Bible plan. There's plenty on our purpose circles for you to have a look at. Maybe it's joining a connect group where others will cheer you on in your walk. And we're just going to take a moment now to ask ourselves, what is the next step of trust that Holy Spirit is leading me to today?
Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.